Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. And I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And today, like every day on Autism Answers, it's a wonderful day. All right, so we're going to do something really cool. As, as is always the case, we go beyond where other hosts go. We go beyond awareness into answers. We're go, we go into actionable answers. We come up with stuff you can actually take with you and, and try in order to change your life. However, today, I'm going to put a spin on my own spin. I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I don't normally get political. I don't normally ask someone, hey, will you come on my show and talk about something you know nothing about? <laughs> today should be a lot of fun. And the reason I thought that was a good idea is because often a little bit of power, a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. And often, it can be the freedom to try something new. So today, we are going to take our little bit of knowledge, and we are going to apply it to uh, the DSM-5, the brand new criteria coming out in the DSM-5. And the reason is because it is Autism Awareness Month. CDC came out with new numbers on my birthday, World Autism Awareness Day. I think that's kismet. It's very important to know that they decided I was so good at working with autism, they should name a day for me. No, <laughs> seriously. Um, the new numbers are kind of staggering. In 2001, in 150 people or children, age 8, were considered to be on the um, autism spectrum. In 2002, still 150. In 2004, 100, 1 in 125, sorry, I'm saying this wrong, not 150, 1 in 150, 1 in 125. In 2006, 1 in 110. In 2008, which by the way is now, because we're always looking at figures from you know, a different surveillance year. They have to do a lot to gather these figures and figure out you know, where we're at. So we're always hearing about years behind. So the 2012 figures are from 2008, and they come in at 1 in 88 children, 1 in 54 boys, is being diagnosed at the age of 8 on the autism spectrum um, you know, in the areas that have been checked. So this is a United States figure, but it's a pretty staggering, pretty scary climb in numbers. And coming around the bend is the DSM-5. The DSM-5, for those of you who don't know, DSM-4, DSM-3, it's a, it's a diagnostic manual that various diagnosticians use to decide whether you have a particular disorder or not. And they go to the manual and they look at the rules for figuring out the diagnosis, and it gets updated. A bunch of guys get together and they go, oh, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. And so coming around the bend is the, bend is the DSM-5. And it's got some changes in what would make you considered autistic or not on the spectrum. And a lot of people got really uptight and started, you know, all over the Internet, oh, this is terrible, oh, this is wonderful, oh, this is terrible, more, oh, this is terrible, by the way, because people love to say, oh, this is terrible. And um, most of them were uninformed, and so are we. 
So the guest today that we're going to have, I am only as informed as you can be in a very quick look on the Internet by pulling off a couple of things. from. Now, I used good websites. You know, I didn't go to uh, some blogger's idea. I went to the Psychiatric uh, Institute's website, and they're the ones that are creating all this. So, you know, it's, at least we've got a good website. But I just went to the Internet. I put in the Google search. I pulled it down. And I have it in front of me, and Anita does not. Now, Anita is, here's the cool thing about Anita. So, you know, I do stories from the road at the end of the show. Well, I thought today we'd do a show from the road. I'm in Texas. I just did a speaking engagement for Anita Carney's group. And I just said, hey, why don't you let me talk to you on my podcast? And that's all there is to that. So, Anita, tell them who you are and tell them about your organization. Let's get started. Okay. Well, um, I am Anita Cardi. <laughs> that's a good start. Uh, yes. At least I got the name right. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm with the Heart of Texas Autism Network, and we're based in Waco. And we're a group of parents and educators and uh, professionals that – our common uniting uh, bond is that we love someone or we are someone with autism. And um, we're determined to increase our resources, to increase the opportunities for people with autism so that people with autism can go out and live in the community and be a fully functional, contributing, um, vital part of the community. Okay. This is a... Wonderful, wonderful mission statement and intention for an organization. So already I'm loving that. Um, and by the way, thank you for putting the speaking engagement together. That was really fun today. Oh, it was so much fun. We just, we enjoyed it. And, and we loved the demonstrations that you did. It was so cool. Oh, good, good. Okay, so, all right, so let's do this thing. Let's do this thing where we're, we're not great professionals. I think this could be really fun. All right, first question I have to you is, mm-hmm. Considering the purpose of your organization, why don't you know about the DSM-5? Because, um, you know, there's really no good reason uh, other than just the I don't have, um, I haven't researched it, you know, as much as I should have. And, you know, I'm a parent and um, that's just not an excuse, but it's just part of it. I have not sat down and gone through all of the language and tried to understand what's the difference between the past and the proposed changes and the and the revisions and you know how is that going to affect our kids what do you know about it or why didn't i know enough <laughs> you know why because i'm on the run and i'm doing all this work and i'm working with actual autistic kids and i'm going you know, okay, it's just a diagnosis. I mean, it's just somebody's ideas of rules. It's not going to change the person I'm working with. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get mm-hmm. to it. And then at one point I had to answer some questions, so I quickly ran off uh, some information and research. It was so fast that I actually, you know how sometimes when you're tr- thinking you're learning something and so you quickly learn it because you read it very quickly and you confuse words? <laughs> So I ran around thinking I knew that on the DSM-5, they were combining 
sensory, and I think I even said it in a speech, so anybody who heard me, I'm so sorry. Um, I thought that they were combining sensory with communication and saying that any, if you had a sensory disorder, you naturally would have a communication disorder. So here it's actually social that they're combining social and communication. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is an example of what happens to us when we're trying to take in all this information. There's just so much going on and changing and constantly being put out there for us to try to understand while at the same time helping autism. So I thought it would be wonderful for us to just fess up. But true, yeah. As, you know, one, one likes to know everything and have a handle on everything and, you know, and have all the answers, but uh, sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Right, absolutely. It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, however, it is kind of an interesting thing to look at. So I do have it in front of me. So we are going to try and inform people a little bit um, and ourselves at the same time. Does that sound like fun? Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the things here, I'm looking at the DSM-4 versus the DSM-5 as well as the rationale. So. The rationale that I had confused that I was just referring to is the first thing that I want to read. Um, and the rationale says, deficits in communication and social behaviors are inseparable and more accurately considered as a single set of symptoms with contextual and environmental specificities. In layman's talk, I believe what that means is if you have a communication problem of any kind, you are definitely going to have a social um, difficulty. If you have social behavior problems, you're definitely going to have a communication difficulty and that they go together and so that they can be seen as one, one item in the, you know, in the listing of diagnostic criteria. What do you think about that? Now remember, lots of people read this stuff and they work in organizations such as yourself. They don't have to be, you know, like the doctor who's a diagnostician or anything like that. And they have opinions and they sit around and talk and argue. So we're going to play. So what do you think? You know, at this point, I'll be honest, I don't know what to think. Let's just break it down. Do you think if you have a communication problem, you will just naturally, remember, they don't have, they're not autistic walking in the door to be diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, if you have a communication problem, do you naturally have a social problem? Would you? No, would you? Not, not in my opinion. Um, if you have a communication problem, and that depends on how it's defined. Is a communication problem, does that mean that you aren't verbal? That doesn't mean you don't communicate. Right. What if you're, yeah. what if you're yeah. just mute but you write notes or you sign language? Well, right. If you have the tools and if you learn how to break through whatever that barrier is and, and communicate. Um, it depends on the definition of communication. Absolutely, it does. Okay, what about, let's flip it. If you have a social behavior problem, would you naturally have a communication problem? You like to put people on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't actually. I never do this. All my listeners are going to say, oh my gosh. No, <laughs> but, but that was the point. You promised. You said you would be okay with it. <laughs> But seriously, you know, I think really, um, in a way, yes. I mean, if you're if you're social, 
you are communicating. I mean, that's, that's part of being social. And if you have problems being social, you have problems or, or challenges, maybe, um, in interacting. Um, you, well? You might have problems. So you just agreed. There you go. And there's nothing wrong with agreeing. A bunch of very well-degreed people came up with this stuff. I think that the, what I'm hoping we get to here is that maybe it's not really such a big deal, no matter what. When I look at the DSM-4 criteria, and I think of the people I know, I go, yeah, 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 that matches. And when I go over here and I look at the DSM-5, I, I see how, you know, we might actually lose a few people um, off the spectrum from that, but I can see that in the DSM-4 too. So I think that the trade-off is pretty, you know, it's okay. There isn't an Asperger's uh, name anymore over here in the new DSM-5, so there's going to be some people with some identity issues from that. But no matter what changes you make, you have problems. There is one thing on, in the DSM-5 that for me is amazingly awesome. So can I mention it or you want to guess? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They finally put sensory in. Yes. I, I was, I was going to chime in if you didn't mention it. Mm -hmm. you can't, have you ever met an autistic person that doesn't have a sensory problem? Um, I cannot say that I have, no. And um, maybe um, not problem, but certainly issues. Okay. Issues, yeah. issues, challenges, whatever mm -hmm. word we're most comfortable yeah. with. But I have never, I, I travel all over the world, I see so many hundreds of children. I have never, ever met a child on the autism spectrum with no sensory issues. Mm -hmm. Never. So, so that it was not on the, on the old DSM-4, but it's, it's not. Now, you don't have to have it, according to the DSM-5, um, but at least it's in here finally. Mm -hmm. So for no other reason than that, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there you go. I took over this show. Come on, chime in. Come on. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting that, you know, they are they're taking their time, I think, with it. They've, um, didn't this all start in, what, 2009, 2010, where they were uh, starting to get the input and, it's really not going to be out until, what, 2013? Mm. But remember, the DSM-5 is a book of all kinds of diagnosis. It's a, it's a huge undertaking. So we're all looking at autism, but they're having to complete something much bigger than that. They're looking at all uh, you know, developmental mental challenges, so uh, psychiatric challenges. So it, this is a huge undertaking, so mm -hmm. you're right. And it may get revisions, to, you know, even from what we're looking at now. Think about this, the way that we run around with opinions sometimes, and especially when they're asked of us as experts. So here you're running an organization that's trying to help people become independent, and people must, they must see you as an expert and, and seek your input and your advice. So what do you do when, you know, you did something and you walk away and you go, oh, my gosh, I just made an opinion out of thin air. Do you do that? Does that happen to you? It certainly has happened to me. Mm -hmm. Well, I try not to, frankly. 
Of course, of course, um, me too. Yeah. I didn't say, did you no, try to? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's more than that. You know, I, I tend to um, try and go find the research and just present both sides of it. Um, one of the things I try not to do is to try and present myself as an expert because I don't think that I am an expert in anything except what my reaction is to what is going on with my son and my family. Um, I can have opinions and observations, but I don't think that my opinion is going to be any better or any more well-grounded than, say, you know, someone else's. Um, and and I I tend to believe in debate and and in fleshing it out. Um, if there's a difference in opinion, you know that's fine, and and talk about it. And um, so I I try not to come off and say, well, this is the way it is, because um, I've I've proved myself wrong many many times, and so I've I've kind of gotten to the point where I don't try and go there. I'll just say, well, you know, it could be. It could be this way, but then again, you know, and, and the way that science is going, the way that research is going, the way we are finding out so many things so fast, um, what could have been true a week ago may not be that accurate now. It, and it could be that, you know, the um, the thing that is out there and way off in left field today in a year is going to be mainstream because we found the tools and the technology and the science to actually measure or analyze or find out what it is that is actually making that phenomenon happen. Does that make sense? It makes sense and I totally agree with you. So now I'm asking you as a mom, uh-huh. how do you choose since you know, and you have the you have the intelligence and and the life history to know that things are always changing. All the professionals change their mind. Everybody's always changing their mind. Mm-hmm. How do you, as a mom, choose choose in that milieu of possibility what's right or what isn't? And do you care what the diagnosis is? I care what the diagnosis is in terms of being able to find help. And sometimes labels are helpful in that way because people can understand that, you know, if you have X, then you need ABC. And so, you know, where insurance companies come in, that's very helpful. (laughs) Yes. You know, in terms of do I care if a rose is, a daisy is, a hyacinth, you know, not necessarily. Um, what I consider most important is is what we're doing getting us further along where we need to go or not. And I'm not really that concerned about, you know, whether it's labeled a certain therapy or whether... Um, 
you know, I am I have this particular label for whatever it is that we're trying, or okay. that going in that I have a particular label. Okay, yeah. and and how do you choose as a parent then, since since the label is just sort of a signpost that you know is transient that can be changed, and the therapies and the history of what's right and what's wrong um, in order to help your child is probably going to change. You know, what's in vogue is, today is different than what's in vogue tomorrow. How do you as a mom choose? Observation. And and also, you know, that, that first law of, um, of the, you know, first do no harm. Um, and, and it's kind of a joke, but, you know, if it can't hurt, might help and isn't going to send someone's child to Harvard, <laughs> you know, on on your dollar. Um, you know, you just you just take a reasoned approach, and go ahead and try something. If it doesn't work, that's fine, but keep trying. And and that's really um, kind of where I'm coming from. Is you don't just stick with one thing unless that one thing is fulfilling all of your hopes and and beyond. And you know that that one thing is going to carry you through, but still be willing to, to be open to other things, you know, to add on. And is that the sort of the mindset in in your organization? Is that the way you all, all feel, or is that the way you feel and you try to pass that on? Talk to me a little bit about your organization. You know, our organization is, Kind of like autism, it's it's a spectrum. I mean, we have a whole range of people um, who are involved. We have parents who are just starting out on the journey. They've just found out that their child has um, autism or autism spectrum disorder, and they're and they're trying to get their minds around that and go forward. Uh, we have people that have been there, done that, and are now on the other side and are coming to the end of their own journey and want to make sure that their child continues on. And so is that what you see them? Like, what do they get out of, out of belonging to your organization? What's the, the, you know, the glue that holds everybody? Love. In um, nice. one word. Nice. We love our children. Uh, we love... We love each other, um, and that's kind of corny, but it's support. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, it's helping each other, and um, also when you're helping each other, you're helping the whole community. I mean, it's yes, I want my son to have a full and wonderful and absolutely amazing life. Um, but in so doing, he's going to make the whole community better and and will bring bring the whole community up you know um and and I think when we help each other and help ourselves, we help the whole community it's it's not it's not just about us um <laughs> although you know, sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> yeah, it does. We are speaking with Anita Carney of the Heart of Texas Autism Network. Don't forget to stick around to the very end because we got 
coming up after Anita, we got the great guest giveaway. The OK, OK, great guest giveaway. And, of course, the famous, the infamous Stories from the Road. So we're about to wrap it up here, Anita, and I just want to give you a chance to answer one final question. Well, it's not really so much a question as an opportunity. If you were to give, take this moment right now to share what you think is your greatest pearl of wisdom, something, a gift to give to everybody, what would it be that you would like to share and say? Well, for me, um, it's that life is a continuous discovery, and it's a continuous um, road that you are never going to find the end answer. You're always on the road to discovery. And that um, wherever you are, there's always hope and there's always the chance for, um, for healing and for growth. Um, and we help each other. That's and wonderful. Do you guys have a website? Oh, yes, we do. It's um, org. Okay. All right. And if anybody wanted to drop you, um, uh, you know, just a thank you for being on, or gosh, I heard about your organization, would love to join, can they do it through this website? Oh, yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, we actually don't have any dues or fees. Um, we don't have that kind of a clearly defined membership. Um, we're, we're very um, non-structured in that way. We have meetings, we have activities, we have programs, we have um, informational programs. We have people like you come and tell us these wonderful things and to help us open our minds and to see things that maybe we hadn't been seeing, even though we were looking at it. We are seeing things in a new way because you help to open our eyes to new, new possibilities. Um, so we are about helping each other and helping the community and going forward. And so um, we recognize, too, that, you know, when you're a family with a special needs kid, you ain't got no money. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> so that we, the truth? Yeah. And so we try and do things as much as possible that are low cost or free or, or what have you. And so we're, we are all about, you know, rolling up our sleeves and, and doing it and um, not trying to be a formal dues-paying organization. That That's awesome. That's awesome. And they're located in Waco, Texas. Mm -hmm. You can find them on the website. Anita, thank you so much for being with me as my guest. I'm thrilled. i got to move on. Any second, that's going to go beep, and the next person's going to come. Okay. But you were a real trooper. That's a hard thing to do. All okay. right. Thanks for being here. Appreciate okay. it. And, and we will see you tomorrow night, actually. Yeah, you haven't got enough of me yet? No, no. <laughs> we want to we come back. We're going to try and do a caravan from Waco. And oh, wow, awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully I can think of new things to say. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, thanks so much. All right, you're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. And that was Anita Carney of the Heart of Texas. It's really funny. Everything in Texas is called the Heart of Texas, and it's abbreviated HOT. So I find that very interesting that this very hot state, everybody is called hot. And um, we won't even think about the other meaning to that word.
Okay, so coming up next, we have an interesting situation. Uh, a woman called me yesterday, and <laughs> I have to tell you this story because I get this call, and she goes, Hi, you know, I, got, I found your phone number, and I was one of your first friends on Facebook, and I think we've talked before. And uh, Anyways, as it unfolded, it turned out that she has um, – well, I'll let her explain it, but it has to do with legal shield. And since we were talking sort of about political things and things that I don't usually get into, and this is such a crazy, weird show, I figured, what the heck, let's just see if she wants to come on for the Great Guest Giveaway. What was really interesting about this is she was so thrilled. She's like, absolutely, I definitely want to do that. And we made a plan. And then she's phoning me. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm in a basement. There's tornadoes coming. And so yesterday we kept trying to reconvene at a different time and put this on tape. But every time a tornado passed over her house or beyond the danger zone and they would go to come out of the basement, then there'd be a new tornado warning and they'd have to scurry back down to the basement. And her and her children are all going. And she's so concerned about being on the show that she keeps on trying to notify me, and eventually all the phones are out, and then the phones are out over here where I am, and we're in the middle of a Texas. If you've ever been in a Texas storm, you know that they are a life force unto themselves. So we gave it up. We're doing it on the following day. I hope I get it edited in time. And any minute now, if she doesn't uh, call in, I'm going to chase her down and have her do that. In fact, but that's... Barbara Fernandez. Okay, Barbara, hi. I already hi. introduced you, actually. <laughs> I was killing time waiting for you to show up. Oh, hi. So yeah. I told the story of you hiding in the basement from the tornadoes and us trying to get together. So, um, okay, okay, okay. It's a great guest giveaway. She made it. She just dinged in. We're ready to talk to her. Barbara finally does not have a tornado over her head. Yes. Or three. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, let's, let's start by, Barbara, would you please tell them your full name and your, and your company, what you do? Yes, um, I'm Barbara Fernandez, and I'm a mom with a child with autism, so that's what I do most of the time. But I also just recently signed up to be what's called an independent associate with Legal Shield, mm-hmm. which is basically like a it's almost like a health club for legal services where you just buy sort of like membership at one flat rate. And I thought it was so great given all the challenges I have with my daughter and the different people I had to deal with, and I felt like I wasn't getting enough now of what I sort of was owed in certain situations that I just grabbed this product and I thought it was so great that I wanted to share it with other people and I signed up to be like a salesperson for this product because I thought it was um, also just something I could do in my spare time and I just want to share it with people who have autistic kids because I definitely felt like I needed help and consult a lot of the steps along the way the last few years. Okay, so what would be an example, for example? For example, What would be an example, for example? <sighs> I think the biggest thing was something that's kind of past now but just... I went through so many years of trying to do biomedical treatments for my daughter, and I felt like the the insurance company was denying things that were just flat out. They had to be covered, or they would pull out documents that weren't part of the agreement they gave us that would say, like, we couldn't go to a doctor more than, say, once a month, but I didn't know that, and I went out to a doctor and spent all this money, and they would pull things out of nowhere, and I couldn't really get a hold of where they were getting these rules from and things like that, and I, I just was so furious about it and frustrated and I didn't have help back then, and I really wish I had had it. So I knew it, it, there, there were other things along the way that 
I remember, for example, we were part of a class action suit. It was one of those things like a stock that went belly up. And I kept trying to get my information out of uh, an investment company from my IRA that I lost like $6,000 in. And they kept not sending me my information. Like my, I kept calling, and here I had this, this desperately disabled child, and I'd be on hold with a company for 15 or 20 minutes, and I'd go through this whole thing, and then the thing wouldn't come. And I ended up not even participating in that. After I did it three times, I gave up, and in the end, I never got anything back on my $6,000. And that's me. I could just pick up the phone right now and talk to my attorney, and they can write a letter and say, you know, you need to respond immediately. And so little things like that, I knew when I heard about the product that I would love to have this power. It's like having the power of, like, I joke like I'm Bill Gates. <laughs> you know, I got a team. So No, I think it's amazing, and I love the point you made when you're on the phone and you're trying to get something done, but you have a, disa- a disabled child over there that maybe is having a meltdown or has a, has a big need, you know, being helped with potting or they're learning or whatever the issue is, they actually can beat us down simply by the fact that we have the urgency of having to go and deal with the, the, the issue, you know, the child in our, that's right there and, and needing right in that moment. And so you end up hanging up the phone, not getting it done. Exactly. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, no, truly. And so as soon as you said that, I was like thinking of all the millions of times where if you could have just called your guy, okay, here's my situation. Oh, wait a minute. She's screaming. Hang on. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be right, you know, and have it dealt with. That's amazing. So what's another instance you think that might come up for someone? Let's make it specific for them. So you have an autistic child. Yeah, I do. What type of thing would come up? Well, here's the, the one that came up right at the time I signed up for coverage was I had this person that was really terrific with my daughter that had volunteered to work with her in a sunrise program. And I love the Sunrise Program, and I, I have many people come and go. And most of them are volunteers. And then after a while, when people have been here a while and they're really good, um, I consider maybe hiring them. And it just popped out of nowhere. She said, like, I have, I'm have, i a student. I'm on a student visa. I don't think I can work. And I thought, wow, this person is so good with my daughter, and I like her, and she's smart, and all this. And I just said, I know nothing about this. And I spent this time, like, looking. I didn't even know what website, the Department of Labor, the Immigration Naturalization Service, the State Department. I was like wasting all the time scrolling through all these sites and, and I didn't even know like there's all these different, it turns out there's like probably like 12 or 15 different kinds of visas. It turns out they all have numbers and letters. The H1 <laughs> and the N1 and the yeah, F2. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I was yeah. just like drowning in it and then I just, I decided to just call them and just say, okay, so what can I do and what can she do with this visa? And it was just so, it was straightforward. So, it, it was like I could solve my problem and we at least, you know, we could narrow it down and figure out like, you know, what's legal, what's not legal, you know, can you pay for their travel or can you pay for their hours or what, you know, the whole thing, would they have to apply for a special, um, I forget what, but they apply for something to a work permit and, and that was one that happened right at the time. And then another one that's happening right now out of nowhere is my husband got a job offer and it involves a contract. So they have to agree to this contract and they just they just mail sent you this contract and it's twenty pages long and you're signing on it and you're agreeing all this stuff and my husband was like I think I want to run this by legal shield I'm like yeah let's do that and the, and they actually found a couple major problems where there was a few phrases that undermined the whole contract and then even like on the thing if you're sort of like laid off they'll pay you something they didn't put the word 
that you would get a certain, they didn't even put like the right amount of time that you would get paid for that amount of, it's hard to describe, but it's basically like if you get no, fired but, unjustly. Yeah, and they, yeah, but the point is here, and what's really interesting to me is, well, first of all, you're bringing up something that is easily forgotten on an autism show, and that's that you have a life outside of the problems created by autism. You know, like your husband's contract problem, or maybe what if you'd have had a tornado hit your house and your insurance company, nothing hit your house, right? Oh, right, that's right. Good, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the point being, you were down there going, well, at least I have legal shield. If any, it's the insurance company won't pay. So, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we have lives and problems and legal issues that come up that are outside of what we're always dealing with, with perhaps the schools or the doctors or the insurance companies. But in addition, we do have that extra load um, when you have kids that are, Special that you're trying to get services for, you often need a lawyer to say actually what you're doing. I, I can't tell you the number of times I said what you're doing is against the law. You know, you're you're prejudicial yeah. against my son. Well, so, let me add um, another thing about this. Um, basically, I'm every week or two that goes by, I'm realizing there are more and more things that I could I could be calling a lawyer about. So, for example, I gave up on funding for my program and for my daughter. For my Sunrise program, which, as you know, is a very it's an unusual program. It's not like ABA that they pretty much rubber stamp at this point. But it it was something that I remember looking at the Social Security website, and I was like, oh, I can't find where's that thing about helping caregivers with a disabled child. I never found it. I left messages at um, there's some kind of social services companies that are supposed to help you with that, and and I never connected with them. There's this whole maze of how you get funding from your school district. And, and through the, the federal government for your disabled child. And I just gave up. Like I just, I remember thinking back about two years ago, I finally just said, I'm so exhausted, I can't do this and recover her at the same time. So I could have maybe funded my program if I picked up a phone and said, okay, what would they provide for a disabled child? And, and either the, the school district one, I called an attorney that was supposed to be a special, like an education attorney, and I got the rates and it was like, like $300 for your first visit. So I just gave shield? up. What does legal shield cost you? Well, it depends. If you get the basic coverage, it's about two hundred. I think it's two hundred four dollars. It's seventeen dollars a month, and it includes things like trial defense if you get sued, and things that are beyond what we're discussing here, even the consult. But um, for the basic plan, it's about two hundred. Again, seventeen dollars a month, and then the more expanded plan is twenty six dollars a month, and involves a, a a more a beefier pretrial preparation number of hours. So it's an, a 15 additional hours of pretrial preparation if you're ever sued. And if if you pay the whole year, it's something like, I think it's 200 and I actually have the calculations right here. The, the uh, less expensive plan is $204 a year plus a $10 one-time fee to sign up. And then the other beefier plan, which has 15 more hours of pretrial time prep, is $312 a year. And so it's basically the price of one attorney hour. Okay, so is, is the first thing that comes to mind is, you know how with health care, they have this law or this rule against pre-existing conditions that's always being argued about. Um, is there such a thing as pre-existing case and so you can't get legal shield? Or can, you find, can somebody who's listening who's in the middle of a problem right now you know, go to your website and check in and, and sign up? Well, they can. The, the thing is, that with the if you're sued, if you're the, the action that led to the suit happened beforehand, it's like that. In that, if 
if you hit somebody with a car last week and sign up tomorrow and they sue you the week after you sign up, that would be covered as a consult, meaning you could still talk to them about what are my rights, how, what law are they going to do this under, but then you would be covered actually under a 25% discount through the each of these major law firms that work for Legal Shield have a regular client base and they have Legal Shield and people. And basically, you would get a 25% discount off of whatever their published rate is. So let's say they would charge $300 an hour. You're going to get 25% off of that for anything that falls outside of that. But everything is everything you can consult about. So you can still say, okay, I hit somebody last week. They're suing me about this. You can still talk to them about what, what your rights are, maybe something about the law that you may have an issue with. But there's a, there's a limit on the trial action itself. Okay. Meaning you can't have sure. already a tr- like an, a suit in action other than you can consult. Okay. And Got they it. can write letters. Got it. Excellent. So if I want to represent myself, I'm good to go. Right. Yeah, you can. Okay. Yes. No, I got it. Okay, so what's your website? And come on, it's the okay, 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 great guest giveaway. So you've right. got to give something away. I will give something. And I, just, um, and I just started the program, I want to say, so, um, and this is my, um, let me, I guess I can, I'm going to give you my business phone number first. If they wanted to call, I can explain more. Oh, okay. there's also business coverage if you have like a home business or a small business and that kind of thing. If you okay. wanted to add that in addition or, or do a different product. But it's 972 849 1604 and my website is actually at the legal shield website it's barbara fernandez that's my whole name with no spaces dot legal shield that's l e g a l s h i e l d dot com okay and then my email actually is almost the same you just change some punctuation so my email is barbara fernandez again with no spaces at Legal Shield, all one word, dot com. And okay. you can sign up there. You can um, click on your state to figure out what your plan exactly will cost. There are a few states that cost a little bit more or less, and um, just, just a few, like five or something. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just like to feel like you have somebody in your corner, and as you go through life, you'll start realizing, and even little things like your dry cleaner like loses your clothes and says they didn't have them and things like that, Little things that you wouldn't even bother talking to somebody because you'd say it's never going to be worth a, a lawyer call. But now you can get your shirts reimbursed. Little things like that. A lot of people use it for that kind of thing, too. Very cool. So. Very cool. It's such a small amount of money per month. Okay. What's right. your great guest giveaway? Yes. Okay. So, so um, my thought was that for the first three people who sign up and try this service through me during this month, this April 2012, the first three people who sign up and buy any of the coverage levels that they could, um, let's say that they spend the, the $26 a month for the expanded family plan, which covers, of course, your spouse and you and your kids up to a certain age and that kind of thing, that, if, that I would reimburse you the cost of your first month. So you basically get to try the first month for free. So I would, at the end of the, let's say you sign up today, let's say you sign up um, April 15th, then a month later, so be like May 15th, I will send you a visa, ch- like a check card that's worth the equivalent of that whole amount, which is the $26 plus the $10, $1 one-time sign-up fee. And if you do like, say, like the less expensive plan, I would do the equivalent of in a visa check card and I will mail it to you. So there's no that's risk. Awesome. So yeah. For no risk. Now, what if, what if they sign up? and then they go, wow, actually, I don't want this. Let's say you tried and you don't like it. You're still going to get your check at the end of the four weeks. Yeah, because awesome. you, you tried it for a month. And 
and if you just if will you talk to me, I can I can help you figure out where your issues are, and help you use the service. So I'm here as a partner to help you get more out of it. And it, and some people might want to maybe consider selling it to other people that they might know that that could use legal help, and I could help you set up to sell like me, and, and it could be a part time job for you. So that is oh, on the website. That's awesome. Too. Okay, Barbara, we're going to have to go. But okay, um, I want everybody to know that if they email Barbara Fernandez at LegalShield.com and they put a new spin on autism answers in the subject line. The first three people have an opportunity to try this product and feel legally covered for a month and nice and comfortable. Yes. Um, free. So Great. it's it's awesome. So thank you so much, Barbara. Okay, thank you. Uh, and, and I'm so glad you survived the tornadoes. Yes. Yes, I'm glad I finally got to get on. I was hoping I would be able to get on this week. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you again, Lynette. You're welcome. Okay. Okay, so later. It's time for Stories from the Road. Okay. The reason, you know, there's a million reasons in my shows, but the main reason that um, I wanted to do this somewhat unprepared show is because when the CDC numbers came out, when the DSM-5 discussion was happening, all in the same room I was in a couple of days ago, I found myself remembering this beautiful little girl that I worked with quite a few years back. And she looked, okay, you know Dora the Explorer. She looked exactly like her. If you could take Dora and turn her into a human being instead of a cartoon, that would be this little girl. Not only that, but she knew that she looked like her. She was totally fixated on Dora the Explorer. She didn't speak any Spanish, and at that time, the only DVDs they had, because they didn't do TV, were Spanish DVDs, so that was interesting. Um, but she didn't care because she saw this likeness. She wanted to wear hats like Dora. She made little fake Spanish-sounding words like Dora. Um, everything in her room that she responded to was Dora the Explorer. So what's interesting about this little girl is I met her and she was extremely autistic in that way of not wanting to communicate with me. And I'm pretty fun. So I really will go the, you know, the millionth mile to try to get the kids to want to play with me and bond with me. And I almost always get that pretty quick. But this little girl was a tough nut to crack. She was, you know, I was trying and trying and doing all these different things and I guess I just wasn't Dora enough for her because the second day I tied my hair in such a way that it looked like the right haircut and I wore clothes that were more similar to Dora and I got in the mirror behind her so she could see me, my reflection from behind her and now I was getting something. You know, I got the Dora game going. Why I bring this particular child up is because that family, this little girl was five, and that family very much wanted her off the spectrum of autism before her sixth birthday because they didn't want anyone to know that she'd been autistic. It was very important to them. They were very focused on this girl, and they were hiding her away. So she's adorable, and there's nothing about her that was not extremely, wonderfully, terrible-like and loving, lovely. Like, you just, there was no reason to want to hide her away except for the fear of how other people would treat her. So 
whether you have a diagnosis criteria that fits you on or fits you off, whether you have a label of autism or whether you have a, a label of, you know, Asperger's or whether you have the label of Down syndrome, you know, with Down syndrome kids, sometimes they, they get operations to look less Down syndrome. Whether you have, you know, those diagnoses or some other diagnosis, I think the greatest disservice that can be done to you is for people to feel like they have to hide who you are. When I was raising my children, I saw them, and then I thought of the autism as a blanket over top of them. And that was a disservice to them. And it also made me much more angry at autism. This little girl was just a beautiful little girl. And she was hidden away till she was seven. She did improve a lot, and she did become school-ready. But, and this is the big but, the really important point for me is she spent two years with people ashamed of who she was and of her journey. So labels or no labels, let's just love our kids. You know, and even if we're keeping them inside because it's hard to take them out, that's a lot different than hiding them because we don't want anyone to ever know they were quote-unquote broken. I'm Lynette Louise. I'm spinning this is the new spin on autism, to myself. I'd just be talking to myself. I can't hear. Mm-hmm.